This is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Okay, so we're getting uh, back into 1 Corinthians chapter 12. A few weeks ago, I didn't get to finish my preach. Oh, sounds good. Thank you. Excellent. On form this morning. So the good news is that we're going to go back to it and uh, spend a bit more time looking at the passage that we had to skip through uh, far too quickly. And it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So uh, if you've got a Bible with you, if you'd like to turn to it, please. I have a different Bible. It's not falling apart. Everything's in different places. I was in 2 Corinthians a minute ago thinking, oh, that's what I'm, what I'm preaching from. But it's all good. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we're just going to read a few verses at the end of this chapter, starting from verse 27. Paul says this. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. And in the church, God has appointed, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then workers of miracles, Also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, and those speaking in different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But eagerly desire the greater gifts. Eagerly desire the greater gifts. So we've been looking at how the Holy Spirit gives gifts to God's church. And we looked at what some of those gifts are. Over recent weeks we've been doing that together. Earlier in chapter 12, Paul lists some of those gifts that God gives to his church to equip the church, to, to build it up, and, uh, and also then to, to go on and to, to reach the world. You see, for the New Testament writers... They understood that God's plan was to see churches established in every community. And as a result of that, people reached with the good news of Jesus. Terry Virgo, in the uh, foreword to John Hosier's book, Christ's Radiant Church, says this. He says, Paul did not simply work to win converts, but to plant churches. He did not regard his evangelizing work as complete until elders had been appointed and churches formed. It was through the establishing of local churches that the kingdom of God was to be extended. Being added was a definitive expression that Luke used to describe the conversion of thousands in the early chapters of Acts. We see that God's plan is to see churches established and as a result of that the kingdom of God extended and God gives gifts to his church in order to help that happen and we looked at what some of them are we looked at how uh, the 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 church is described as like a human body it's made up of many parts and each part is is different but has an important part to play. No one part can say to another part, hey, I don't need you, you're not important. But rather, every part is important and vital and necessary 
to what God wants to do in the establishing of his church. And so in case you'd, uh, you, you'd missed it, the, the, missed the point, or you weren't here, or you were, uh, you were asleep during that, that particular moment, then Paul underlines it again in verse 27. We've just read it. Now you are the body of Christ. He wants us to really get it, to really understand it. Together we are the body of Christ. We're all baptized by one spirit into one body. We're fitted, joined, knitted together because we have one Lord and one head, Jesus Christ himself. And so we've said over recent weeks how we need to understand that in in a body, every part is important. In the church, every part is important as well. And to be a healthy church, Jubilee needs all of us to play our part. Whatever part that is that God has got for you, we need you to play it in order that Jubilee can be the church that God wants it to be. And so we've read then this part of the end of 1 Corinthians. And Paul goes on to list not just gifts now, but people that God gives to his church in order to equip it and to help it become all that he wants it to be. So these are not just gifts now, but rather these gifts are gifts of people that God gives to his church. And it may be that, you know, perhaps initially for any of these people who started out stepping out in a particular gift and over time perhaps would grow in it more and more. So they get to the point where they themselves are the gift that God gives. So, for example, we're all called to prophesy, but God gives prophets to his church. We're all called to be evangelistic. But God gives evangelists to his church. And we're going to look at, in a moment, what the reason for this is and why he does that. And so there's some different roles here. I don't think it's an exhaustive list. You've got uh, another list that that Paul gives, uh, which is not too dissimilar, uh, which is in Ephesians chapter 4. And if you've uh, got your Bible there, you might just want to turn over a few pages or, or scroll into Ephesians, and we'll just read those Verses together uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, it says, It was he, this is the, the risen Christ, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up, until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And so, in, in both of these passages here, both of these, these passages, um, we see Paul referring to this list of people. Now, um, sometimes we, we, we sort of give a shorthand to it. We say, oh, there, there are the Ephesians 4 gifts, the Ephesians 4 people. Um, but actually, that, that's not really very helpful to say it like that. <laughs> They're just a list of gifts, a list of people that happen to be listed uh, in in Ephesians 4. It's not that Paul said, hey, this is the Ephesians 4 list. (laughs) It just happens to be where we've got a particular version of the list there. So let's be correct in what we we call them. 
but they're gifts of people that God gives to the church. And the danger of labelling them, you know, the Ephesians 4 gifts, is we can think that somehow there's other gifts which don't you know, match that status, if you like. So we can think, oh, we can say, oh, they're an Ephesians 4 pastor. Well, I don't think there's any other form of pastor. There's not like an Ephesians 1, an Ephesians 2, an Ephesians 3 version. You're either a pastor or not. You might think, oh, they're an Ephesians 4 teacher. Well, no, they're, they're a teacher. It just so happens that that's listed in Ephesians chapter 4. There isn't a, you know, a lower category in Ephesians 1 or 2, uh, for example. So we have to be careful how we describe these things. But what we sometimes mean when we, when we describe things like that, perhaps incorrectly, we, we start to talk about, oh, perhaps these are our gifts, perhaps these are people that have got maybe a wider ministry than their own local church. Maybe they travel and serve other churches as, as well. And we, we see that in Scripture, and we, we, we know that that's true in experience as well. And often that happens as people grow in their gift and in what God has for them. They tend to serve other churches as well. Often we tend to find that uh, it's not unusual for, for pastors to be perhaps more local in their ministry. And maybe for some of the other gifts, evangelists and apostles and perhaps even some teachers to travel more and to serve many churches. But it's not exactly how it's described there. That's just how we see it pragmatically in, in our experience. But actually, all of these are gifts that the risen Christ has given to his church. They are from him in order that they might serve and bless and encourage and build up God's church. And the reason I wanted to refer to the Ephesians 4 passage as well is it, it explains to us why they're needed so in verse 12, Ephesians 4, it says that these gifts, these people are to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. That's the NIV uh, version. Another NIV says their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. The ESV says their purpose is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Another translation puts it like this, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. It's important we understand what these gifts are for, what the reason for God giving them is. These gifts, these men and women, are gifts that God gives to equip, to train, to build up, and to prepare God's people works of service. It's not to do all the work themselves. This is a fundamental error that many churches have fallen into over the years. And friends, we're not exempt from this either. And churches can think sometimes, hang on a second, we're, we're, we're paying the pastor or leader, so therefore it's their job to do all the ministry. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says really clearly their job is to equip the saints, to equip, train, build up others so that together we might do the ministry that God has for us. Now, clearly they should be doing some ministry as well. That's how you model and train and equip, isn't it? But if we think, oh, we know, they can do it all, then we've missed the point. We've also missed this. We've missed the opportunity of being part of what God wants to do with us. 
And if you're anything like me, I'm sure you don't want to miss what God has for you. You know, if I say, put your hand up if you want to miss what God has for you, you know, no one's going to put their hand up to that. So actually, we want to get hold of all that God has for us. We want to be part of all that God has for us. And one way that we can walk in that is to allow these gifts to equip us, to build us up, to train us, to prepare us for the work that God has for us. Now, we sometimes describe the church as like an army. And in an army, everyone has a role. Everyone has a place. Everyone has a purpose. Even those who are are sick, they're still cared for, they're loved. But the purpose is to see them back on the battlefield, isn't it? And, And back fighting again. See, the church is like an army, not a holiday retreat. It's battle, not butlings. It's what the church is like. And with that in mind, God has given these gifts of people to his church to help equip them, train them, prepare them for the battle. To train them for works of service. And um, before we look at what they are, and we'll look at that in, in just a moment, I want to touch on why these gifts are needed. So we need to understand that as well. So there are some people who would say, there are some churches who would say that these gifts are not for today. That they died out in New Testament times. That that, that they're not for now. They may say, well, yeah, I can see it perhaps in, you know, the early church. Maybe they didn't have the scripture written as we do. It was just for them. It's not for now. I fundamentally disagree with that. Because it's not what the Bible says. Paul says that we need these gifts until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God become mature, attaining to the whole measure of Christ. So, have we reached unity and have we attained to the whole measure of Christ? I would say clearly, no, we haven't, have we? We're not there yet. You know, we're really not there yet. So if we're not there yet, then it seems to me that the scripture is pretty clear. We therefore need these gifts. And because we need the gifts that God gives to his church. And we need these gifts in operation in his church. For it to be all that God wants it to be. So let's look at what some of them are then. That will help us to, uh, to understand uh, what, uh, what, what Paul's saying here. So firstly, we've got apostles. Well, the word means one who is sent. And the New Testament speaks of many apostles. So initially, you've got the uh, the 12 disciples of Jesus described as apostles. And you've got others who were added into that group as well, who had also seen the risen Christ. You've got Paul that's described as an apostle, even though he was describes himself as one untimely born, a, bit, a little bit late to the party, you might say. But you know, Jesus came to him as well, and so you, you've got him. But you've also got others that the New Testament refers to as apostles, but you know, like Barnabas, James, the brother of Jesus. So you've got a much wider group than just the initial twelve, even in Scripture. They didn't die out in New Testament times. We believe that God has given apostles to the church today 
And they do a number of things. They do things like lay right foundations. Ensure that there's correct teaching about Jesus, about uh, the gospel. Teach an appropriate lifestyle. We, we see in scripture that apostles are involved in appointing church leaders in local churches called elders, recognizing them, laying hands on them. We can see in scripture how the uh, apostles have a role in the ongoing care of, our, of, um, of churches, particularly their leaders. If that was all needed now, we need all that today as well, don't we? If it was needed then, we need it all today as well. John Hosier, to, to quote from his book again, says this. He says, if new churches are going to be planted, if we are going to reach every people group, as Jesus said, if churches are going to be well established and if wise and godly leaders are to be raised up, then we need the apostolic ministry. It is the ascended Christ who gives such a gift. We do well to recognize it gladly and receive the ministry of the apostle that Christ sends to the church. That Jesus sends this gift to his church. It is so needed today. If you've got your, your Bible open still there, uh, you'll see as we go through it that, uh, that Paul says about apostles and then prophets. Prophets provoke us, don't they? You know, I even referred to how, how the word that, the, the prophetic word that Paul brought earlier provokes me. You know, when we encounter prophets, and I can think of a few that I've encountered over the years, they provoke. You know, they encourage, but they provoke and they stir something up, don't they? They stir up a passion for God. They help provoke us out of ruts that we can get into. Help set direction for, for local churches. And I think the prophetic gift is one that we're discovering at the moment. As a church, I would say God's on the move in that one, in our, in our church community at the moment, which is exciting to see. We've got apostles, prophets, third, teachers. In Ephesians 4, Paul lists pastors and teachers. Uh, we, we've got here teachers. Well, we need teachers in the church, don't we? We need those who can get hold of God's word and teach it well. Who can help us understand what we read and apply it to our lives. We need those who will teach. And I don't just mean you know, publicly on a Sunday, on a stage, but maybe in a, in a small group. Maybe in a discipleship setting, one-to-one, saying, maybe you're, you're, maybe you're new to faith, Let's go through some scripture together. I'll help you understand what it, what it says. That's a teaching role as much as preaching like this is. And we need those teachers in the church, don't we? Ephesians 4, as we've said, talks about pastors and teachers. And there's endless debates as to whether that's one person or two people. Actually, very often, those two gifts are found together in, in, one, in one individual. We need those who will pastor need those who will teach. And Paul goes on, third teachers, then workers of miracles. We really need that gift today, don't we? Workers of miracles. We really do. See, in New Testament times, there was power and proclamation. This is what Jesus did, isn't it? He performed a miracle and then explained what had happened and declared the kingdom of God. 
That's what the early church did. You know, you can read through the book of Acts and you can see miracles occurring and healings occurring. You think of um, uh, Peter heading towards the the gate called Beautiful Caesar. Uh, A a beggar there who can't walk, asks for money. What does Peter do? Peter and John come across him and say, well, I haven't got any money to give you, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. And this guy gets up and walks. And so runs into the temple declaring uh, God's goodness. And then Peter gets to explain what happens. There's power and proclamation together. I think we need more power. More workers of miracles. More miracles like that where we can say, look at what God has done. And now let me explain to you how you can experience the kingdom of God in your life as well. We need that gift, don't we? We need to be up praying, saying to God, we need more workers of miracles. We really do. We need to press into that. And it's, it's not just healing. Sometimes we can think of miracles as, as healing, and very often miracles are healing. But Paul is that separately. His next one is those having gifts of healing. So miracles must be something else as well. So we need those both of those gifts. We need the, the miracles. We need healing. We're called to pray for. Actually, we're not called to pray for. We're, we're called to heal the sick. Often we can think, oh yeah, I'm, I'm commanded to pray for. No, actually, we're commanded to heal the sick in Jesus' name. It's not us that does it, to be really clear. It's him that does it. But our command is to do that. Not just to pray for. Not to, just to have an expectation, but anticipate that God is going to break in and heal. Those having gifts of healing. So there will be those who, you know, particularly move in that area, and that's great, and we love people like that. But listen, you know what? We're all called to pray for the sick. So let's not contract it out to, in inverted commas, the professionals, (laughs) who we might deem as... That, that's their area. Yes, we need people gifted in that to help us and to teach us and to train us, but actually we all get to pray for the sick. That's what Jesus tells us to do, isn't it? So we're, we're all in on that one. But we still need those who are particularly gifted in that area to help us, to train us, to see that release in the local church. Those able to help others, he goes on. This is a part of loving one another, isn't it? Helping others, loving one another, helping one another. And we're all called to do that. But there are those whose spiritual gift, particularly, is a gift of helping. I love people whose gift is helping. They're great, aren't they? Just to help make things happen. They're people who just love to serve and to bless, who love to take care of others and their needs. You want that sort of person in your life group, don't you? You really do. You know, you want, you want to know that sort of person. You're friends with that sort of person. Because they love to bless and love to, to encourage. And let's make sure if we're releasing those people who have got that sort of gift. If you have this gift, we love you. And be at work amongst the body of Christ. Be active in it. What's the next one? Gifts of administration. This is another undervalued gift in the body of Christ. 
But once again, it's one that the church so needs, because without it, nothing really gets done. You know, you can end it in, be in endless meetings and lots of great ideas, but nothing ever happens. We highly value administration, those with the gifts of it. It's not some second-rate gift. Paul lists it here. Same list as apostles and prophets and gifts of healing and miracles and gifts of administration. Same list, same value, just as needed in God's church. And then you've got others um, that he adds in here as well. Those speaking different kinds of tongues. We talked about tongues just a few weeks ago. Then he says, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret? What he's saying is, we're all different, but all are necessary, all are required, all are important, all are valued. Both the gifts that God gives to his body and the particular people that he gives to help release and train and encourage and serve the body of Christ. These gifts do come in different measures. We need to to realise that. So not every evangelist is going to be of the same stature as Billy Graham, for example. (laughs) Be great if they were. But that's okay. Because we get to grow in the gifts that God gives as well. We all have to start somewhere. But God is, even this morning, I believe, giving gifts. He wants to give gifts, even this morning, to, to his church, to, to his body. Last week, Dave looked at 1 Corinthians 13. We've gone backwards this week just to pick up a few verses that uh, I missed. As we looked at 1 Corinthians 13, it talks about the importance of love, doesn't it? This is what he was saying last week. I was with the Ashbourne Life Group this week, which was, which was great, and uh, we were looking at this passage again together there. But you see, because we love one another, because God's love flows through us, because we allow God to do what he wants to do, we get to be part of him building his church. So Paul says, love never fails. So these other things will one day cease when we reach perfection, when we reach unity, the faith, when Jesus comes again, actually. (laughs) So in heaven, I don't think we'll get to do some of these things. Because we will have, we'll have got to complete perfection and unity and we'll be with Christ. So if you want to get in on some of these things, the time to do it is now. now it's not that we shouldn't get to do loving one another as well. We shouldn't sort of exclude that. I'm not saying that for one, one moment. But actually, the way we serve one another, the way we serve God and indeed his church is as a result of what God has done in our hearts as an expression of loving one another as well. But this morning, just as we begin to to wrap up, I feel that God wants to give some gifts 
Perhaps the band could come up as I begin to, to close. So we've spent a few weeks thinking about this subject. So what is the application? Well, my question for you is this. What is the gift that God has given you and are you using it? Not just what is the gift, but are you using it? Around the age of 19 or 20, I forget exactly when, it was a long time ago, I had some pretty major knee surgery. My teenage years had been dominated by an ongoing knee problem uh, that was pretty unstable, would regularly dislocate, and uh, I guess in total I would have spent years on crutches uh, in, uh, as, as a teenager. And so by the time I reached the end of my teens and early 20s, the surgeons decided that really they needed to do something about this if it was going to be solved once and for all. And so they decided, they said, to, I remember them saying to me, if it gives way again, um, we'll perform some pretty major surgery and we're going to break all the bones around your knee and move some ligaments around and screw them back in different places and, and rebuild your knee in a rather bionic way, which is quite exciting. And so I said, okay, well, if it happens again, then this is what's going what's to what's happen. And unsurprisingly, um, a little while later, the knee gave out again. I was on crutches, and I saw my consultant and said, right, okay, now's the time. Now, the only way we can solve this is to perform this fairly major surgery. And so I was, on, I was in uh, hospital for a few weeks. I was on crutches for, for several months. I was in a, a full leg plaster. You don't get many of those these days. But, you know, a full leg covered in this you know, heavy plaster thing and totally immobile. And uh, while they uh, did some surgery and while they allowed the bones to, uh, to, to, uh, you know, to heal up. For a while, I, I had some screws in my leg, which I still have the screws, not in my leg. Um, but they, they, were, they were taken out some years later. So for a while, I really had a bionic leg, which was quite exciting. I wanted to have the opportunity to go through the airport, you know, security thing. They never did at the time and set it all off. But as a result of what they did, by the time my leg came out of plaster several months later, you, as you would imagine, all the muscles had wasted away. Even the strength that I did have there, which was minimal, had gone completely. In a short space of time, they had lost all their strength and were pretty much no good for anything or to anybody. And so to recover their strength and for me to learn to walk again took about a year. And then regular physiotherapy and literally learning to walk once again and slowly building the muscles up. My point, friends, is this. If you don't, don't use a muscle, it will lose its strength. Very quickly, actually. If you don't use it, it will lose its strength. And you know what? It's the same with God's gifts. If you don't use what God has given you, you'll start to lose some of the strength of it. Lose the dynamism of it. Lose the effectiveness of it. It's a bit of a use it or lose it thing. And as I was praying this week, as I was thinking about this morning and preparing and saying, God, what do you want to do this morning? I felt that God wants to reignite some gifts this morning. 
That which perhaps you've stepped out on in years past. The phrase that God gave me was there is a reignition coming. It's a morning for reignition. And I saw matches being struck and lighting touch paper. And once again, there was power and energy in it. God has given gifts. He does give gifts to his church. He's given gifts to you this morning. We've looked at some of them over these recent weeks. We've looked at many more. But this morning I feel that God wants to to reignite gifts. Can we stand together? Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.